0: Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings, how are you? Uh, So I'm recording this um, in advance because when it is scheduled to come out, I am thrilled to say that I will be in uh, Italy and Greece with my daughter. So super excited, we're leaving in about a week. And so I'm getting all of April's content up ahead of time for you so that you don't miss out on anything while I'm gone. All right, so this month, we're talking about your marketing documents. we talked about your resume last week. We're talking today about five improvements for your LinkedIn profile. Next week, I'm going to talk about kind of some strategies around LinkedIn so that you can attract people to your profile and go see other people's profiles and kind of move around within the LinkedIn community. I'm also going to be talking about your cover letter this month. So we're going to cover all your marketing documents. Everything I'm talking about in April, May, and June is geared towards college graduation 2019 edition but everything I'm talking about is going to be equally useful for those of you that have been out in the workforce for a few years. So let's dig in with LinkedIn. So the first question that I, I feel like I have to explain LinkedIn to folks who are in their 20s and 30s. The question that I get most often or the comment that I get from you guys is, I know I'm supposed to be on LinkedIn but I don't really know what I'm supposed to do when I'm there and I certainly don't know why I'm supposed to be doing it. So I want to kind of go over that first and foremost. Why is LinkedIn important? Number one, it is used by virtually all employers. An old statistic that I have used for probably five or six years now is that 94% of employers use LinkedIn in the hiring process. So I'm going to just assume now that with the exception of some you know, rural pockets and mom and pop shops and older employers, small companies, everybody's using LinkedIn and they're using it in a couple of different ways. And some of them are obvious and some of them are not. So certainly if you apply to a job online, they're going to check you out. They're probably going to Google you. They're going to look at your LinkedIn profile and just generally see what your social media profile looks like. They're also going to be um, using LinkedIn to find candidates like you. So recruiters are the ones who pay the bills on linkedin and so they're the ones who are on their day in and day out every day and they're using it to find candidates so whether they are a recruiter who works in a company so they are employed in the human resources department of a company to find candidates or they're what's known as a third party recruiter and i've talked about these recruiters on other podcasts i won't go into that today because there's a couple different kind of varieties of recruiters, but just know that recruiters are on here using it, and sometimes they're doing it as a third-party recruiter, so they're a separate company that's trying to get employees for a company that has hired them to do so. So that's that's another way that companies are using um, LinkedIn. Another way is that when a company is looking, let's just say they want a top accountant in their accounting department, what better place to go look than within your current accounting staff, particularly your top performers, and so they could use LinkedIn to kind of see who are those people connected with and, you know, are any of these people good viable candidates for our company. The day is long gone when LinkedIn, just having a LinkedIn profile was enough and that gave you kind of a leg up over the competition, and now you really need a a, a bright and shining LinkedIn profile that represents your brand, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, in the, kind of in the, in today and next week's. All right, so let's get into these top improvements for your LinkedIn profile. I've got eight for you. Number one, so this is, again, we're talking about how to improve the curb appeal of your LinkedIn profile. So I really want you to think of your profile on LinkedIn. This is a community, it's an online community. I always call LinkedIn Facebook for grown-ups. It's an online community and you have a home on that community, which is called your profile. And you want to improve the curb appeal of your profile because that will attract people to your home on LinkedIn. You will also feel much more comfortable going to other people's homes if you feel good about your own home. So today we're gonna really work on your home. And again, these are my top eight improvements for your LinkedIn profile. So number one is your photo. And by the way, we're kind of going from top to bottom. These are not necessarily in order of a, a importance because that will vary depending on you know what your profile looks like now and what field you're in and what your goals are. But let's just go from top to bottom. So number one is your photo. This needs to be a professional headshot of you, right? So there shouldn't be anyone else in the photo. Shouldn't be any dogs or or girlfriend, boyfriends, or coworkers or you know, random disjointed arms around your shoulder. And the, the photo should be a headshot, so it should be close enough that a person can tell what you look like. So I always use the crowded restaurant test. If I couldn't tell from that picture who you were in a crowded restaurant, I couldn't pick you out, then it, that's not a good photo of you. I want to be able to identify you in a group of strangers based on that headshot. Now, I recommend that you update your photo about every three years, but that could be more frequently if, for example, you've had a, a great weight gain or weight loss, or you've changed your appearance like a new, drastically new haircut, something like that. But generally speaking, about every three years, it's it's a good idea to get it done. And you don't have to incur the expense of a professional photographer, but it is a good idea. You might wanna check with your current employer and see if headshots is part of the service that they provide when I was in higher education we had a campus photographer and it was no problem for him to do headshots and we needed them in our office for other purposes so it wasn't as though I was asking him just for my LinkedIn profile but a company is going to want you to look good on LinkedIn as you represent their company as an employee so that may very well be a service that they provide and even if it's not you can if you've got a good camera on your phone you may be able to pull that off not was a selfie, have someone else take it, or a professional headshot shouldn't be that expensive. You want your photo to be appropriate to your industry and your profession. So you wanna look like somebody that a stranger would be willing to talk to. For most professions, that means you, you're you smiling, you look like you, you were inviting them into your home. Remember, your profile is your home, and here's like, this is like your front door, your photo. You want it to be friendly looking and approachable. Now, to change your picture, all of anywhere in LinkedIn that you wanna change a section, in the upper right-hand corner of that section, you'll see a little pencil. And that pencil, if you click on it, allows you to do the editing capabilities. So once you click on the pencil in that top part of your LinkedIn profile, you'll see where you can swap out that picture. And they'll give you some guidelines as as far as um, the resolution of the picture and the size and all of that. So you'll have to kind of meet their requirements. So that's number one, your photo. Number two is the background photo that goes behind your photo. So what you get when you get a LinkedIn profile is that blue looks like a constellation in the background i want you to change that to be in line with your professional brand there's a couple of ways you can go at this so the main thing here is that it is professional so i see a lot of people that put something about their personal life you know so if you're an avid surfer you've got a picture of some big wave in hawaii back there well that's great if you're also a surfboard salesperson but if you're not then that's probably not a good professional photo. So some of you, the work that you do lends itself well to a photo. So like on my profile, I have um, a woman who's jumping over like a chasm um, with the word job over her head, and it's very graphically depicting what I do for a living. So someone who's in technical kinds of fields, there's all kinds of you know, pictures of computer parts and those kind of things that will work. As an alternative, you can just use an illustration that's just strictly artwork. I've done that for a lot of clients where they're changing brands, or for some other reason, it's just not a good idea. It just doesn't make sense to have um, a picture of something back there. So when I'm doing this for my clients, I select four photos. I go to pixabay.com pixabay.com. those are royalty-free pictures, it doesn't cost you anything, and I select four that I think make sense for my client, and then I actually try each of those on my client's profile. And this lets me see, what does this actually look like behind my client's photo? You know, kind of how does it look when it's all together? Sometimes the amount of the picture that you can use on LinkedIn is not the full picture. There's a little grid that shows up and you can move it around to, to use the part of the picture that you want to. But sometimes it doesn't make sense after you kind of use the the amount of space that they allow you you know maybe if there's a word back there it's cut off so it doesn't work or I've had clients where it it was a picture of they're in New York City so I use a background scape of New York City and then the picture that I've chosen it looks like the you know the um, Empire State Building is coming up out of their head or something so those are the kind of things that you want to kind of play with on the pictures and this is the same situation go into that top part of the profile, click on the pencil, and then there will be a second pencil to click on up where that constellation is. And that's where you change that. It's really easy to do. And as I said, I recommend the site pixabay.com. P-I-X-A-B-A-Y.com. Number three in improving the uh, curb appeal of your profile is your headline. So your headline goes directly underneath your name, right up at the top. And this is key real estate, and it is For most people on LinkedIn, totally wasted space. They are not utilizing it in any any useful, purposeful way. You have 120 characters in this space, and most people just put their job title and their company name. You can include your current employer's name, but it's right there next to it anyway, so what's the point? Of taking up This is really a, a, like a branding statement for you. So why would you take that up with your current employer if you want to leave? Now, if you love your job and maybe you're in sales and you're trying to market your company or your business, your products through LinkedIn, then by all means, put that on there. But if you're looking to make a change, let's take that job company off and let's put some of the things about the way that you would add value to an employer in. I recommend that you do include your job title because that's really important for SEO purposes, especially if the work that you want to do next is in line with the work you're doing now, the current job title. Otherwise, you're going to want to get creative with how you can incorporate that new job title into your heading so that recruiters will see you as a viable candidate for jobs in your new field. I'll give you some examples. All right, so here's an example. Let's say that you currently have the job title of customer service representative, but what you want to move into is sales. So here's a couple of ways that you could express this in your headline. So one is customer service representative, pipe. Pipe is that vertical line um, that kind of separates the sections. So customer service representative, pipe, proven ability to upsell, resolve complaints, and provide exceptional post-sale care. So this is the person that wants to move into sales, and while they're not currently a salesperson, they're currently a customer service representative, we've used the words upsell and post-sale care. So we've used the words sale and sell in there twice, so we've gotten the message across. Here's another way you could do that. Customer service, so we take out the word representative, it's just customer service, pipe, inside sales, pipe, post-sale care, pipe, resolving customer complaints with exceptional critical thinking. And yes, that fits into 120 characters. It may seem like it, it couldn't possibly, but that's what I'm telling you. There's a ton of space there. Don't waste it. So here's another example. Let's say you're currently an assistant manager of a hotel restaurant, but you want to move into the reservation side of the hospitality. So like the front desk piece of the hospitality business. So one possible headline could be Assistant manager, comma hospitality industry pipe providing exceptional customer service in the fast-paced hotel business. So notice what I did there is I didn't mention the restaurant because you don't want to stay in the restaurant. You want to go into the hospitality side. So I used the word hospitality and I used the word hotel. I also talked about customer service. Those are all things that are true. You're in the hospitality industry. You work in a fast-paced hotel business and you provide exceptional customer service. We've just left out the part about the restaurant because that's not what you want to keep doing. So what if you want to move up within your current career field? You don't want to just tell them your job title. You want to tell the reader how you add value. So you could say human resources coordinator pipe experience with recruiting, hiring, onboarding, payroll, benefits, and training. You've got a bunch of keywords in there in one one line. And you've also conveyed the message that you are a generalist. You've done a lot of different things in human resources. Here's another option. Human Resources Coordinator, Pipe. Generalist background, Pipe. Strong leadership qualities, Pipe. Certified Trainer. So those are all ways that you can kind of massage your headline. Try to use as many of those 120 characters as you can. Look on LinkedIn, look at my profile, look at profiles of people that you respect that seem to have done some good work on their headline and get a sense of how you wanna change that. And again, it's just put, go into that top section, go into that pencil, and it'll have the headline that you currently have on there. You take that out, you put the new one in, super simple. So that's number three, your headline. Number four we want to talk about is your summary. So right underneath your headline, we're still up at the top, you've got room for about 1,980 characters in your summary. And this is where you really tell your story. And most people are using a fraction of the amount of space they have if if they have anything at all on there. So this should not be a cut and paste of your resume. Please, 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 please don't make it a cut and paste of your resume. First of all, it should be written in first person, which your resume should never be written in. And it should be written in a conversational style that sounds like you're telling a colleague or a new prospect about what you do and about your career. You want to tell them a little bit about your background, what you're currently up to, you know, maybe have a couple bullets of some of your highlight achievements and a little bit about you personally. So this personal information, so what I do with my clients is I write, give them a little bit of what comes from the top of their resume. Again, written differently, I don't cut and paste, but I'm kind of giving them the high points from the resume. And then I go into three bullet points. um, They're paragraphs, but they're essentially in my head. They're bullet points of this customer's brand. So let's say one of them is customer service. We're going to have a paragraph about that. One of them is strong leadership skills. We'll have a paragraph about that. So we're going to do three of those. And then I might talk a little bit about, could be something about their certifications or some other aspect, maybe their background, some of their other jobs that they've had. And then as I wrap that up, I'm going to go into one paragraph that's usually a sentence or two about them as personal beings, right? So this could be travel, hobbies, philosophy of, you know, business influencers that you you know people you like to read their work or you're influenced by their philosophy, um, as long as the information is neutral or positive. so you don't want to go into anything that's um, kind of controversial or it could work against you. but by all means put a little bit of personal information in there kind of rounds you out as a human being. And then after all of that, I encourage you to include a skills list that is at the end of your summary. So by now hopefully you've got a couple hundred, characters left and you can do a a summary list. And this can be more or less a duplication of what you have done in your skills section. We're going to talk about the skills and endorsements in in a few minutes. The reason that I say more or less a duplication of that is you may have a really nasty looking skills and endorsements section that you don't necessarily want to repeat up there. So, you know, step one is you want to clean up your skills section and I'm going to talk about how to do that. And then those same words can be up in the skill section. that really helps with SEO. The key thing here is that you use the same terms that you've put down below. That's important for SEO. Those terms down below, the ones that you get to pick from for your skills are the same ones that the recruiters can search on. So if it's not down there is an option for you to pick from the recruiters don't have it as an option to pick from either, so it does you no good to put that as a skill up at the top from an SEO perspective. Does this make sense? So there may be a term or a phrase or a word that you want to include up there, knowing that it's not one of the ones down in the skills list, but you feel like it's really important for the human eye to see. But if you want to maximize your SEO, you want those things to marry up and to be the same as, as the options that are given to you by LinkedIn. So how you do this, again, pencil in the upper right-hand corner, and you've got that summary section. If you've got anything in there, you take it out and put the new in. Um, Super simple. All right, so that's number four, your summary section. Number five is then your experience. So as we move down your profile, then we get into your jobs. You go most recent first, and it works backwards from there. And for most people, they want to include you know 3 or 4 or 5 jobs that take them back about 15 years I don't recommend going much longer than that for most of you in my target market you haven't been out of the in the workforce for that long so you may have some internships on there I don't recommend going back before college but you might have some college jobs that you would include in there so many of you just have the name of the employer dates of employment and your job title there and you're missing from an SEO perspective Um, But also for the human eye to kind of get a sense of the work you've done, you've missed a great opportunity. So again, this is not a cut and paste of your resume, but rather you're telling the story of your work there. So you might want to talk about some challenges that you've overcome and some metrics, give them some metrics around your achievements. So this information is factually the same as your resume. So if I'm going to talk you through how I write a profile, I actually cut and paste the information that I've already written about that job from their resume onto my LinkedIn template. And then, then it's right there in front of me. And then that's how I write it. So I'm not cutting and pasting the same information, but I am cutting and pasting the information so that I can then write their LinkedIn profile with using the same information, but I'm going to write it in a much more conversational style using that first person. The other thing I want to say about the experience section is that I see so many LinkedIn profiles where this section is all about the employer rather than you the person. And that makes no sense to me unless you are self employed like me where your business and you are one and the same, then then it does make sense. Um, in some cases I've had employers who I've had clients who their employers required certain things in there and, and we have to work around that. But in general, you know, you may make a little mention like, you know, so-and-so company is a Fortune 500 company in the pharmaceutical industry, and that's it. So they, they understand kind of what kind of company it is, and they have a frame of reference for your accomplishments. But beyond that, it should be about you, not about them. So once again, you have that pencil for each one of those sections. And then if you have a job that isn't in there at all, you just click on the the plus sign and you can add a new position. Note on there with the the professional experience section, when you start typing in the name of the employer, it'll come up with a box that'll give you several options. Which company are you talking about? If possible, if your company is on there, I recommend that you find it and so you want to word the company name on your profile exactly like they have in LinkedIn because then an icon of your company logo will show up next to your profile. So it just kind of legitimizes your job because you see this you know, this logo of Delta Airlines or this logo of um, certain bank that you've worked at or whatever the case may be. Um, if your company is not, does not have a profile on LinkedIn, then you're not gonna find it. You won't be able to get the logo on there. There's nothing you can do about that. That has to be something that your company has created. All right, so that's number five, um, your experience section. So number six, we want to talk about your connections. And I'm going to go into this one in a lot more detail when we talk about strategy next week. But here's the short answer. You need a minimum of 500 connections. And that's the starting point, not the ending point. The more the merrier, with a few caveats. I have 40 over, just over 4,600 connections. So I always tell people I have big old feet on LinkedIn. And there's a very specific reason for that. Again, I'm going to talk about that more next week. But here's the deal, if you have fewer than 500 connections, I want you to seek quantity over quality. Your goal is to get to that magic 500 plus number showing up on your profile. If you have, like I have five, mine says 500 plus, and I have 4,600. It never changes, it's always 500 plus. So I want you to get to that number because then when you reach out to strangers or you reach out to people who are at a higher position than you, they will see that you're a serious player on LinkedIn and they will be more likely to accept your recommendation. When someone I don't know reaches out to me and they say, let's connect, especially if they haven't customized the, the request to connect and they haven't given me any reason they want to connect with me and they have 73 connections and I have 4,600, I'm not likely to accept their connection because I'm giving them so much more than they're giving me. It's not an equal exchange of energy. So we want you to get to that magic number of 500 plus as quickly as possible. I'll talk a little bit more about how to do that again next week. To do the connections, just in general, you want to go up into that box at the top where there's a little magnifying glass and just click on the box. So if you know somebody's name, you can put their name in there and find them. But for most of you, it's going to be kind of searching. And when you go into that box, it'll it'll drop down and say, well, do you want to search for people or companies or jobs? And you're going to say people and then a whole bunch. You're going to search on all filters and it's going to give you all these things. So you can search for where they work now, where they worked before, where did they go to college? Uh, You can search by keywords, job title, um, geographic location all these kinds of things to help you find people. So this is useful for you to, let's just say you want to research, I I want to search on the past company that I worked at or my current company. I just want to see who do I know that works at that company that I'm going to ask them to connect with me. So these can be people that you know and you just can't think of their name off the top of your head. But you can also use it to find people who are kind of, um, maybe friends of friends or at the same level as you kind of low hanging fruit that you think will be likely to accept your connections so that you can get that number up to 500 plus as quickly as possible. So that's number six connections. Number seven is your skills and endorsement section. So I talked about this a little while ago in the sense of kind of cleaning this thing up and, and having it match to the skills that you put up in your summary section. So this section is where people can just click on a button and say, yeah, he has the skill. It's I'm seeing it not being used as much as it used to. I don't think it plays an important role on your profile, except for one thing, it helps with SEO. So build that section. If you don't have it, build it based on the skills that you want people to endorse you for. So think about your brand and what do you bring to the table? What do you want to do? Don't put on their skills that you don't want to continue to use or skills that don't make sense for the job that you want to go into. Keep it on brand. And then I recommend that you... Evaluate that once a year. So just do an annual audit of your profile and one, all of it. And one piece of it is looking at these skills sections. Is there, are there skills that need to go because they don't want, you no longer want to use them? Are there new skills that need to get put on there? And while LinkedIn will automatically order your skills in the order of the number of people that have endorsed them, you can go in there and move them around. So if there's a skill, a brand new skill that you put on there and you want it to get some votes, some endorsements, you can move it up to the top of the list and people will start voting on it if it's up at the top. So I hope that answers the skills and endorsements section. Now, the one that I like much better is number eight. And the final one is your recommendations. So this, in my opinion, is the most underutilized and potentially most beneficial aspect of your profile. So this is where people actually take time to write about you. So they've worked with you in some capacity. They've been your boss. They've been your coworker. They've been your direct report. They've been a customer. Um, You've been a customer of theirs. You have somehow interacted with them professionally, and they're going to write great things about the experience of working with you. LinkedIn recommends that you have a minimum of three recommendations. I like for you to have 10. I'm an overachiever. What can I say? I have 50 on my profile, and these are all clients who have volunteered to write things about me. So here's how this to approach this. So number one, I want you to think about what are my brand attributes? So this is goes back to when I talked about the resume um, last week. This is the work I do with my clients is what makes you different? What are you uniquely qualified to do? Well, that's your brand. So you want to think, number one, what are my brand attributes? So let's just say that you decide your brand attributes are strong customer service skills. You're super good at following through on details. You are... Um, you have really great presentation skills. Let's just say those three for now. So, then the next thing for you to do is to think of who among my connections could speak about each of those. Because when you send them an invitation to connect or to, to write this recommendation for you, you're going to ask them specifically to write about that thing. So, it might sound something like this Hi, Bill. Um, I am updating my LinkedIn profile and I really want to get some recommendations on there. I was hoping you would speak about my ability to give presentations, particularly in light of the board presentation I gave last month. Thanks in advance. So you're giving them some idea of what you want them to write about. This is going to vastly increase the likelihood that they will actually do it. I also recommend that you ask two people for each recommendation that you want because they're not all going to do it and they're not all going to do ones that you like so you can you know you just can discard them you get to see them when they come back in you don't have to accept them you can send them back and say hey you spelled my name wrong i've had that happen before or you know you factually this is incorrect or you can you know not use it at all or you can put it in there so you're going to it's not like it's going to show up and you don't know what it says so I recommend two people for each kind of brand attribute that you want covered so you've got your bases covered. And, you know, like I said, I like 10 uh, recommendations, so um, but a minimum of three. So the way that you get these recommendations, you must be connected to the person. So that's step number one. So if they're not a connection, get them connected. Then you go to their profile. And up at the top, there's a button that says, I think, more. It's right next to the connect button. And on the more button, you when you open that up, there's a bunch of options, and one says request a recommendation. So you click on that, and then it'll walk you through how do you know this person? What was your job title at the time? And then you get to write a customized request. Never use the, you know, hi Bill, are you willing to write me a recommendation or whatever is already in there? It's it's awful. Um, it's so basic. I want you to customize this. You're asking them to spend you know, maybe 30 minutes of their time to write you a great recommendation. So you need to take a few minutes to customize your request. And again, tell them what you're hoping they will say. Ultimately, the decision is up to them what they say about you, but they will appreciate that you're giving them some guidance. I've thrown a lot of home improvements at you today as it applies to your LinkedIn profile. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, I want to kind of break it down. So number one. I want you to assess your current profile. So uh, give an analysis of your current profile in light of these tips that I've just given you and determine the areas in which your profile could use some sprucing up, right? So these pro- this is all gonna be in the show notes. So you can get a copy of this or you can review the printed version. You'll know what these uh, recommendations are and kind of create a list of, okay, here's what needs to happen. I need to get a professional photo done, blah, blah, whatever it is. Number two, Set aside a block of time to get it done. So be realistic about how long it's going to take. I would recommend no more than two hours at a time because you're going to get tired of it, but one hour to two hour blocks till you can get this done. And then ask a trusted friend. So after you've done the work, ask a trusted friend to review your changes and make some suggestions for further improvements. Make sure that it all makes sense, that it reads cleanly, that there's no errors with you know, spelling or uh, diction or grammar or any of that kind of stuff. Um, If you don't want to tackle this yourself, this is part of the service that I provide my clients. It's part of a larger package. So I don't just do LinkedIn profiles for my clients. I don't think that serves them at all. But as part of the package, I do write their LinkedIn profile for them. And in fact, upload it and take care of the background photo, optimize the settings. So I do all the, so it's like hiring the, you know, the gardener to come over and, you know, clean out the weeds and, um, you know, organize the cut the bushes down trim them down so that they're they're all the same size and they look good and you know break the leaves and all of those kind of things so I do that as part of the actually writing the LinkedIn profile for my clients so if you want to talk to me about that I encourage you to set up a 30-minute consult call it is free and we will talk about your career goals and where you need to go next to achieve your career goals. And I promise you'll walk away from that call with at least two action steps that you can immediately put to use to make great strides in your job search or your career. So to reach me, I'm going to have that in the show notes. But the link to my calendar is www.timetrade.com book slash the letter D, the number six, kln So that's D-6-K-L-N. So you can reach out and schedule a call. I love it when I get consults from my podcast. That makes me very happy. If you want to reach out to me by email, it's L-E-S-A, Lisa at coaching.com, Or you can write a question in the show notes. I want to be your career coach. So let me help you achieve your career goals. I'll see you next week. Take care.